I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. This is going to be a theme for the rest of the week. Every day we are going to have one of these. I managed to track down uh, off the deep, deep web a magazine that was released in 2007, I believe it was. So almost 15 years ago now, which is pretty crazy to think about. But it's called 100, the 100 Most Dramatic Moments in Rugby League History. So as I said, made in 2007, goes through the first 99 years of rugby league or so, actually 100 years it would be, uh, and talks about the 100 most dramatic moments from 100 all the way down to number one. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to break it down into five podcasts this week from 100 to 80, 80 to 60, 60 to 40. Uh, These are all pretty big moments. Obviously, they're in the top 100 ever. So I'm not going to go through each and every one of them, but I've gone through each installment of 20 and I've picked a couple of ones that I think are really interesting. So I'll read them out to you, give my little take on them. Some pretty big moments in history and some things that you've probably haven't heard of if you're quite young or that you might have just completely forgotten even happened. So the first one is number 100. We're starting at number 100. This one is the Hanley removal. Of course, Ellery Hanley in the 1988 Grand Final, September 11, 1988. The appearance of Great Britain skipper Ellery Hanley for Balmain in the 1988 Grand Final against Canterbury came after one of the greatest signing coups of the limited tackle era. But his memory of Grand Final Day is nothing but a blur. Hanley was enticed to stay on after the Brits had toured here, Signed days before the June 30 registration deadline and his inspirational performances in the last eight rounds turned the Tigers around. Now, you will remember when we had Martin Afire on, he spoke a lot about Ellery Hanley. This is obviously not what I'm reading off the column here, but he is considered to be the greatest English player that they have ever seen and came over here and was incredible as well, Ellery Hanley, a champion player. 
Despite losing prop, Steve Roach, through suspension and failing in an audacious ploy to have him serve his ban by sending him to the UK early for his off-season stint with Warrington, the Tigers were still grand final favourites. They led 8-4 with Hanley, causing the Bulldogs immense headaches. So just for a bit of background as well, Blocker Roach, uh, Blocker, as you all know him on Fox League now, he was suspended in the lead-up to this final series. He was going to, did it say Warrington? He was going to Warrington the next season. So what they tried to do was send him over early to cop a few of those suspended games over in England and then bring him back for the finals. But it all fell through. didn't come to to fruition, but a very interesting one to look back on there. Uh, they led 8-4 with Hanley causing the Bulldogs immense headaches. But the match turned when Hanley was mysteriously prostate on the ground near Canterbury's try line with his eyes rolling around in his head. Few had seen a tackle by Dogs 5'8", Terry Lamb that flattened Hanley and put him out of the match after 27 minutes. Lamb was always, Lamb has always denied any foul play, but video images have produced since clearly show him taking Hanley out with a swinging left arm to the chin, which forced the ball loose and Hanley into fairyland. The Dogs went on to dominate the game, winning 24 to 12. A huge moment there, the 1988 grand final. Kind of overshadowed a little bit because, of course, the Tigers, they would go on to lose the grand final next year as well against the Canberra Raiders, and that one is considered the greatest grand final of all time. So the 88 grand final is a little bit overshadowed. Uh, well, 89 is probably considered the greatest ever until maybe 2015, but that's arguable. Uh, but yeah, this Ellery Hanley moment taken out by Terry Lamb. You all know how highly I rate Terry Lamb. One of the greatest players we've ever seen. One of the most prolific tries scorers and, and the best support player we've ever seen. He's a, he was a 5'8", and I think he's in the top 10 try scorers ever. He's also in the top 10 games ever, but still a 5'8". Score as many points as he did. Unbelievable. Uh, I remember we had Darren Brown on the podcast, former South Sydney Rabbitohs, Penrith Panthers, Canterbury Bulldogs, second rower slash 5'8", and he stepped in for Terry Lamb one day. He told this story on the podcast and had to step into these huge boots of Terry Lamb, and he just said to him, what do I do? Like, you score so many tries, what do I do? And he just said to him, every time you sense there's any sort of an opportunity, I just want you to run straight through the middle of the field at the sticks, and uh, as the narrative goes, Brownie, he scored three tries that day. The only day in his career he scored three tries playing 5-8 for Canterbury. They're filling in for Terry Lamb off the back of his advice. Unbelievable there for moment 100. Ellery Hanley, champion player. Let's move to 96. Now, this one is from March 18, 1968. The, uh, the heading of this one is seven players sent off in a preseason friendly. It still stands as a record today. Seven players sent from the field in one match. It happened in the Manly versus Balmain Wills Cup match when preseason games were official clashes that earned clubs good prize money. Tony Ontonac was the first sent off by ref uh, for tripping Balmain's English 5'8", David Bolton, after moments earlier being warned for another trip. Balmain's Arthur Beetson was next to go for punching. Then it was the turn of opposing props Gary Leo and Bill Hamilton after they sparred. Manly fullback Bob Batty was then marched for striking out with his boots after being tackled. A Tigers player screamed at the ref, Did you see that, sir? That earned the ire of Manly centre Frank Stanton, who struck out the Tiger. Stanton was also ordered to the showers early. Bob Fulton was by this stage involved in ongoing verbal battles with the ref and confronted him to ask what the hell was going on. The ref was in no mood for idle conversation and sent off Bob Fulton, reducing Manly to eight 
to eight men to Balmain's 11. Incredibly, Manly earned a 19-all draw with only eight men against 11. All players were suspended for between one and four matches. Of this unmagnificent seven, Beetson and Fulton went on to become Rugby League Immortals and Stanton, a record-breaking Australian Test coach. Pretty insane to think that in one game, not only were seven players sent off, but of those seven, two Rugby League Immortals. There's only been, I think, it's, what is that, 13 Immortals in 100 years of Rugby League. Two of them were playing in this game, and two of them got sent from the field in a preseason trial. Pretty unbelievable there. That's a story that I hadn't heard. Artie Beetson, Bob Fulton, obviously both passed away now. Bob Fulton passed away earlier this year, a sad day for rugby league. Artie passing away a number of years ago now, but two champion players, two of the best we've ever seen, obviously immortals of our game, but pretty wild. Preseason fights, you know, two teams, two immortals, seven players sin bin. Crazy, crazy story there. Let's move to our next one. Number 92, Joey's dramatic return. I thought this one would be a little bit higher, to be honest with you. We've spoken about this one a little bit on the podcast. Number 92, Joey's dramatic return, June 15, 2005. Even the surprise re-emergences from representative retirement of Alan Langer and Brad Fittler could not match the sheer brilliance of Andrew Johns' return to the origin scene in 2005 when he single-handedly turned the series on its head and inspired a Blues victory from 1-0 down in the series. Johns had played just one match in seven weeks after cracking his jaw and just eight games in 22 months because of earlier neck and knee injuries. He had not played in a winning team since round two in 2004. After selectors had ruled he'd lacked match time and was too big a risk to replace first-game scapegoat Brett Kamali, Johns received a shot call-up after Trent Barrett was injured in a training camp in Dubbo days before the match. With critics wondering whether the 31-year-old was past his best, the Knights halfback turned in his most dynamic origin performance, dominating the second half and and playing a hand in all of New South Wales' five tries and kicking... From, uh, and kicking three from three in a 32-22 win. The Blues won the third game 32-10 to win the series from 1-0 down for, the, for only the second time with Queensland coach Michael Hagan, John's club coach, claiming Joey's return was the single factor that cost his side Success, Unbelievable there, Joey Johns, when he returned in 05. We had Anthony Minicello on the podcast during the year, and he was obviously playing in this side. And him and Joey, they'd never played together before, but they struck up an instant combo. And you rewatch that series, uh, Joey puts him over for three or four tries there. Simply incredible stuff. An absolute freak in that series. Uh, you know, back then, of course, Anthony Minicello, 2005, he was considered the greatest player in rugby league, won the golden boot. But Joey... What he did there was unbelievable. And when I look back at Andrew John's career, and I've said this a number of times on the podcast, as as we said there, he was 31 years old. People were wondering if he was past it. If Joey would have gone uninjured from, you know, 28 to 34, God knows what he could have achieved. He walked into the Origin Arena and put on the most unbelievable performance with no match fitness, with no football behind him. He, he hadn't won a game of football since the year before in round two. That's like March the year before. That's a calendar year of not winning a game of rugby league. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, and to think that they didn't want to pick him in the first place. They went for Trent Barrett. He got injured and it forced them into going for Joey. So 
after coming in off not enough preparation time, he got three days instead of the normal 10 days that they get for an Origin game. Unbelievable. They came back and won that series 2-1. It's probably headlined for me by the pass that Joey threw to Danny Badiris. He comes off his right foot. We were talking about this with Jackson Hastings the other day. Got it on the right side of the rock. Came off his right foot. Uh, threw this beautiful pass between the markers, between the one and two marker, and hit Danny Badiris in just a complete blind spot after he threw a turn from dummy half. And Badiris crashed over for a rare origin try. Simply unbelievable in 2005 when Joey returned. Love that moment. Let's go to number 90 now, and this one's a bit of a sad one, but definitely played a huge role in the Penrith Panthers and their history. Now, you got to remember... 19, uh, 1990, the Panthers lose the grand final uh, to the Canberra Raiders. 91, they return. They win it. Unbelievable scenes. Uh, we've spoken about this a lot this year, especially with the Panthers being in the grand final and whatnot. But number 90 comes two years after that. June 21, 1992, the death of Ben Alexander. Of course, the younger brother of Brandy, Greg Alexander. Penrith were premiers and a young team on the rise when Ben Alexander's death in 1992 brought the club and a close-knit district crashing down. Alexander's younger brother of the club's captain and favourite son, Greg, was killed instantly when the car he was driving with teammates Glenn Lydiard and Scott Murray as passengers collided with another car. The night Alexander had picked up his jacket for being a member of the Panthers' 1991 Premiership winning squad. Now, we had Mark Guy on the podcast probably 18 months ago now. It was a while ago, and he spoke about this, about how it just, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Not only did it it just tear the heart out of this team, it teared the entire heart out of the community. Um, I know that Greg Alexander, he's spoken about that. You know, he, he, him and him and Chief, uh, sorry, him and uh, him and MG, just eventually they got to the point where they just needed a sea change. They just needed to get away. Uh, too many, too many harsh memories there and whatnot. And you know that that '91 team who you looked at, they were so young, they had so much ability, and you thought between MG, Freddie. Uh, you know, Brandy, all these young guys, they could do anything over the next few years. And then this happened, and it really just derailed the whole thing. And then within a couple of years, uh, you know, 95, you've got Brandy playing for the New Zealand Warriors. You've got MG playing uh, at the Western Reds. You've got Brad Fittler heading to the Sydney Roosters. It just turned the entire Penrith Panthers franchise on its head and the community as well. An extremely sad one there, but I'm glad that it got a feature because there's no doubt that it played a critical role in the history of the Penrith Panthers and how it all played out there. Uh, The images here of Ben Alexander's funeral, just crazy to look at. Unbelievable that that happened around that time when you thought that team was about to be an absolute dynasty, you know. Let's move to our next one. And uh, another bit of a sad one, one that I hadn't heard. Uh, number 88. Now, this is in 1990, March 25. Danny Shepard almost killed by heat stroke. 
Roosters prop Danny Shepherd spent a week in, in a coma close to death after he suffered heat stroke during an early March premiership match against Gold Coast at the Sydney Football Stadium. Shepherd suffered a series of fits on the field and was dragged away from the action and straight to St. Vincent's Hospital where he lapsed into unconsciousness. He made a full recovery, although he never played first grade again and returned to his hometown of Dubbo the following year. Pretty insane there. Poor bastard. Uh, when it went when from playing first grade rugby league to being in a coma. Uh, just unbelievable there, Danny Shepard. That's another one that I hadn't heard from 1990. It's only 30-odd years ago. Really interesting one there. Obviously, early in the season, you still got that summer sun hanging around. So, scary, scary stuff there. Let's move to number 84 and uh, one of my favorite stories ever. One of our good mates, Brett Finch. He gets a feature in this one. Uh, we've had Finchy on the podcast to tell this exact story. Uh, unbelievable. Number 84. Finch becomes the hero May 24, 2006 so when this was when this magazine was produced it was only the year earlier that this had actually happened the critics could be heard right through the state when Brett Finch was called up as an 11th hour replacement he joined the camp at 11pm on match eve for Craig Gower who wrecked his knee in a trading collision Finch was seen as a last resort after Andrew Johns refused to consider his retirement from representative football Less than 24 hours after his call-up, Finch was a hero, having landed a pressure field goal 90 seconds from full-time to give the Blues a 17-16 victory after Queensland had fought back from 14-0 down. The match was watched by a record first game crowd of 72,773 and a TV audience of more than 2.2 million. So consider back in back in 2007 when this was written, as far as they were concerned, Finchie, he got a call, he went in there at 11pm the next night, he's kicking a wheel field goal unbelievable little did they know as Brett Finch has revealed since on podcast he revealed it on our podcast too told the full story if you want to have a listen to that type Brett Finch into your podcast app you can have a listen to that interview unbelievable story he was at the Bronte RSL club on the source enjoying himself it was origin weekend a bye weekend he got a call over the loudspeaker at Botany R- at um not Botany at Bronte RSL uh that Brett Finch there's a phone call for you picks it up it's feel good he says you need to come here now Finch being Finchy, he doesn't get in a cab like any other human being would. He runs back to the bar and screams, Finchy's playing Origin, and buys everyone else a few more beers. And then there was another call uh, to the surf club to eventually say, where the hell is he? And then he got in a cab and he went there. He arrived there with no boots, nothing. Not prepared at all. He did his... <laughs> he did his... Um, captain's run the next morning in his Chuck Taylors. Just an unbelievable story from Finchie. Just sums up the sort of guy Finchie is. A champion story that'll never be forgotten in rugby league. I'm glad that one snuck in. As I said, if you want to have a listen to that, go type Brett Finch into your podcast app. Have a look on the Rugby League Guru podcast. You will find it there. Now our final one uh, from 100 to 80. I thought this one was really interesting. This one's from September 18, 1972. The first salary cap. This one came in at 81. Really interesting to look back on this when you think about how the game has changed since. It seems a far cry from the $4 million mark enforced today in the NRL. But in 1972, desperate to stop the concentration of the best players at the wealthier clubs, the league introduced the most blatantly abused and ineffective salary cap in the game's history. It was referred to as the 2000 to 200 rule and involved each club playing paying a maximum of a $2,000 sign-on fee and $200 winning bonus and a $50 capped payment for a loss. 
For the 1973 season, the rule lasted just 18 months, as it was commonly known that clubs would would put players on their league's club books as sellermen or were paid under the table, sometimes with brown paper bags of cash from poker machine receipts. The 2000 to 200 cap was replaced by the 13 import rule in 1975, insisting that clubs could not have more than 13 players who were not local juniors on their books. Crazy to think, well, not crazy to think that they tried to introduce this, and of course, coaches, management, all these sort of people in these football clubs are always too smart for the room. They had their guys on the books at the leagues club and whatnot, brown paper bags being thrown around with money. And then, of course, it came in that you could not have more than 13 players who were not local juniors on their books. I don't think outside of maybe Penrith, even South Sydney, I'm not sure if they would have 13 local juniors in their top 30. I don't think any team you could find that has 13 local juniors anymore. You used to not be allowed to have any more than... Yeah, you had to have... a. Uh, you couldn't have any more than 13 players who were not local juniors on their books. Crazy to think about how much of the game has changed. That is insane. And that, you know, that's 50 years ago, which is a long time. I understand that. But it's crazy how much it's all changed and that 972 was the first attempt at this salary cap. Seemingly, it was an absolute joke. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, we are going to have from 80 down to 60, a couple more cracking yarns here, some more unbelievable stuff. Hope you're enjoying this sort of content. If you do like it, send me a message. Let me know. I've got a heap more of this sort of stuff that we could do over the off season which I think could be really interesting Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.